Okay, here we are, part four. Part four. Um, open with me to, well, if you're following along, John chapter one, verse 41. John one, 41. I'm starting to get weary, I confess. Okay. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. The Hebrew word Messiah in English is anointed. The 483 years reached to the anointed one. Acts 10.38 Acts 10.38 How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost, and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost. Luke 3:21. Luke 3, verse 21. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. That was Jesus speaking. And 22. And all bear him witness and wonder to the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost. This anointing took place at the baptism of Christ. AD 27. Desire of Ages, Ages, page 111. Jesus did not Jesus did not receive baptism as a confession of guilt on his own account. He identified himself with sinners, taking the step that we are to take, doing the work that we must do. His life of suffering and patient endurance after his baptism was also an example to us. Upon coming up out of the water, Jesus bowed in prayer on the river bank. A new and important era was opening before him. He was now upon a wider stage entering on the conflict of his life. Though he was the Prince of Peace, his coming must be as the unsheathing of a sword. The kingdom he had come to establish was the opposite of that which the Jews desired. He who was the foundation of the ritual and economy of Israel would be looked upon as its enemy and destroyer. He who had proclaimed the law upon Sinai would be condemned as a transgressor. He who had come to break the power of Satan would be denounced as Beelzebub, no one upon earth had understood him, and during his ministry he must still walk alone throughout his life. His mother and his brothers did not comprehend his mission. Even his disciples did not understand him. He had dwelt in eternal light as one with God, but his life on earth must be spent in solitude. As one with us, he must bear the burden of our guilt and woe. The sinless one must feel the shame of sin. A peace lover must dwell with strife. The truth must abide with falsehood, purity with vileness. Every sin, every discord, every defiling lust that transgression had brought was torture to his spirit. Alone, he must tread the path alone. He must bear the burden upon him who had laid off his glory, who had accepted the weakness of humanity. The redemption of the world must rest. He saw and felt it all. 
but his purpose remained steadfast. Upon his arm depended the salvation of the fallen race, and he reached out his hand to grasp the hand of omnipotent love. The Savior's glance seemed to penetrate heaven as he pours out his soul in prayer. Well he knows how sin has hardened the hearts of men, and how difficult it will be for them to discern his mission and accept the gift of salvation. He pleads with the Father for power to overcome their unbelief, to break the fetters with which Satan has enthralled them, and in their behalf to conquer the destroyer. He asks for the witness that God accepts humanity in the person of his Son. Never before had the angels listened to such a prayer. They are eager to bear to their loved commander a message of assurance and comfort, but no, the Father himself will answer the petition of his Son direct from the throne issues the beams of his glory. The heavens are opened and upon the Savior's head descends a dove-like form of purest light, fit emblem of him, the meek and lowly one. So notice this is not a bird. It's a form of light in the form of a bird. And it's from the throne of glory. It's God's glory. And it's God's voice. Go back to the book. Of the vast throng at the Jordan, few except John discerned the heavenly vision, yet the solemnity of the divine presence rested upon the assembly. The people stood silently, gazing upon Christ. His form was bathed in the light that ever surrounds the throne of God. He, his upturned face was glorified as they had never before seen the face of man. From the open heavens a voice was heard saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. These words of confirmation were given to inspire faith in those who witnessed the scene and to strengthen the Savior for his mission, notwithstanding that the sins of a guilty world were laid upon Christ, notwithstanding the humiliation of taking upon himself our fallen nature. The voice from heaven declared him to be the Son of the Eternal. Okay. Now, Mark, Mark chapter 1, 9-15. <laughs> and it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven, saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. And now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Jesus, as he entered upon his ministry, announced the time was fulfilled. Great controversy, page 327. I believe we already read that. So, <clears throat> Daniel 9, 26 and 27. Daniel 9, 26 and 27. 
And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. In the midst of the seventieth week, Messiah was to be cut off and cause the sacrifice to cease. Daniel 9, 27. I just read that. Okay. In the midst of the seventieth week, he was to be cut off. He was to confirm the covenant for one week and yet be cut off in the midst of the week. Desire of Ages, page 233. The burden of Christ's preaching was the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Thus the gospel message as given by the Savior himself was based on the prophecy. The time which he declared to be fulfilled was the period made known by the angel Gabriel to Daniel. Seventy weeks, said the angel, are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most Holy. A day in prophecy stands for a year. The seventy weeks, or 490 days, represent 490 years. A starting point for this period is given. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. Sixty-nine weeks, or 483 years, the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem as completed by the decree of Artaxerxes Longimanus went into effect in the autumn of B.C. 457. From this time, 483 years extend to the autumn of A.D. 27. According to the prophecy, this period was to reach the Messiah, the Anointed One. In A.D. 27, Jesus, at his baptism, received the anointing of the Holy Spirit and soon afterward began his ministry. Then the message was proclaimed, the time is fulfilled. Then said the angel, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, seven years. For seven years, after the Savior entered on his ministry, the gospel was to be preached especially to the Jews. For three and a half years by Christ himself, afterward by the apostles. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. In the spring of A.D. 31, Christ, the true sacrifice, was offered on Calvary. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain, showing that the sacredness and significance of the sacrificial service had departed. The time had come for the earthly sacrifice and oblation to cease. The one week, seven years, ended in A.D. 34. By the stoning of Stephen, the Jews finally sealed their rejection of the gospel. The disciples were scattered abroad by persecution. They went everywhere preaching the word. And shortly after, Saul the persecutor was converted and became Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. I want to just make one little comment here that's not in my notes, but um, I have a chart in my old great controversy. I think it's my 1888. Mm. And it says here that 
Constantine's edict for the Sunday Sunday worship was brought in, I think it was in 321, 321 AD. So there was no worship on Sunday until 321. Prior to Constantine making this edict, the only Sunday worship there was was by the pagan sun worshipers. I just want to, I'm not going to say any more about that. I'm just going to leave that there, lay it down and leave it there. Okay. Where am I? We're now going to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. We're getting close to the end now, actually. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken of by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? The Savior taught the first part of the week, and his followers the last part. Ah, okay, so that's what this is saying. It's saying that at first it was confirmed by the Lord, and then those who heard him confirmed it unto these Gentiles. That's what they're saying. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, the first three and a half years, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, the last three and a half years. Very good. Um... Luke 24, 47. Luke 24. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So according to Christ's instructions, the disciples confined their labors to Jerusalem for three and a half years after the crucifixion. Uh, Great Controversy, page 327. We read that already. Uh, let's look at it again. Great Controversy, 327. Maybe there's a little thing. I'm supposed to see. Okay. No, it's the same thing we read. The first three and a half years by Christ, and then the last three and a half years his apostles to the Gentiles. Okay. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. Uh, verses 1 to 4. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. I'm sure you're all familiar with that. After the rejection of the gospel and the stoning of Stephen, the disciples went everywhere preaching the word. This was AD 34, the end of the 70 weeks. The gospel was no longer confined to the Jews. Seventy weeks, or 490 years, taken from the 2300 days, leaves 1810 years. Now, if you've got your pencil and paper out, so if you add 8034 and you add 1810 years, where does that take you? The 70 weeks ended, 8034, 1810 added to AD 34 brings us to the autumn of 1844. 
Daniel 8.14, in the autumn of 1844, at the end of the 2300 days, the cleansing of the heavenly sanctuary, or the investigative judgment, began in the heavenly sanctuary. Let's read that in Great Controversy, page 486. And that's our final reference. Great Controversy, page 486. are getting very tired. All right. Okay. At the time appointed for the judgment, the close of the 2300 days in 1844, began the work of investigation and blotting out of sins. All who have ever taken upon themselves the name of Christ must pass its searching scrutiny. Both the living and the dead are to be judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Sins that have not been repented of and forsaken will not be pardoned and blotted out of the books of record, but will stand to witness against the sinner in the day of God. He may have committed his evil deeds in the light of day or in the darkness of night, but they were open and manifest before him with whom we have to do. Angels of God witnessed each sin and registered it in the unerring records. Sin may be concealed, denied, covered up from father, mother, wife, children, and associates. No one but the guilty actor may cherish the least suspicion of the wrong, and it is laid bare before the intelligences of heaven. All right. Um, so you may want to, in your own time, because it's not included in the study, to uh, look up what the Day of Atonement was, the cleansing of the sanctuary. What was the cleansing of the sanctuary in the Old Testament? It's your little assignment. What was the cleansing of the sanctuary in the Old Testament? It was the Day of Atonement. What happened on that day? And then you'll understand what the cleansing of the sanctuary in heaven is about. Because the cleansing of the sanctuary in the Day of Atonement and the earthly sanctuary was a type of what happens in heaven. And then you'll understand the 2300 days, why it's so important to the early Advent believers and how it started a whole movement of understanding of things that perhaps we shall, we shall affect. As a matter of fact, we will cover as we go. All right. Let's have a closing prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for these prophecies, for your faithful prophets, and for those who are here interested enough to understand these things and how they apply to us in these end times. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, God bless you today. I hope that you are able to take some of this away with you, and I will hopefully see you in the morning. And tomorrow we're going to study Part of this whole thing is understanding Christ's position and work in heaven because it's tied, it, it begins to open up this knowledge and we're going to look at it in the morning. It's not a huge study. Actually, I take that back. All right. I might have to cover that over a couple of days. But we're going to begin it in the morning. Okay. Bye-bye. I'll talk to you in the morning.